Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, are you ready for a heart-stirring, spirit-moving sermon? Well, I bet you are. I bet you are. Uh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. We'll do the best we can anyway uh, as, we, as we get into this great song. Thank you all so much. Hey, uh, we're going to be over into 2 Peter chapter 3 today. We've uh, got a couple of sermons that are going to be one-offs. And then starting Mother's Day, we're going to begin a, a series on the family called Family Circus. Because if you've ever been in a family, it's more like a circus than anything else. So uh, we're going to be talking about that from Mother's Day to Father's Day. Uh, but uh, we'll kind of be leading up to that. So I thought it would be good uh, to take a look at something we often don't talk about, though we should, and that's the second coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And we're going to be over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 18, if you want to turn over to that right now. So uh, let's have a prayer as we get started today. Dear Lord, as we come we just pray for your leadership and your guidance uh, help everything that we do be for you and your glory and in Jesus name we pray amen anybody here hate waiting in lines man I, I despise lines I'm not a very patient person at all uh, when I went to college it was it was pre-internet type stuff where you could just go online find your books and get all of that and uh, so you had to wait to the first day of class you got a syllabus and it told you what books to get and then the bookstore would have so many people you couldn't even get near it and so I just made a decision if you flunk the class because you missed the first week I flunked because I wasn't buying a book to the second week of class because there was no way I was going to wait in that line because I just hate lines I'm very impatient well, this fall, Dawn and I decided that we were going to take a first trip we'd taken in a while with COVID, and we went to Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. We landed there, we came out, and there was this unbelievable line that stretched all the way out, and people were just jammed in together. I mean, as tight as you could get everybody. It's still uh, the, you know, the height of the COVID stuff. Everybody's jammed in there. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and then somebody tells me, well, you know, with COVID, we can't get people to work the way that we used to, so we have have all the planes land at one time and I said well I'm sure that's a really good uh, system here uh, to, to have that there so we waited a couple of hours we finally got through the line and I was reading these signs on the walls we were going in and it says you can get VIP check-in and check-out at the airport for only $200 a person and I thought, they're crazy if they think I'd pay $400 for the, to go through the VIP line just so I didn't have to wait in all of this. So then on the way back, the travel agent told us, well, we'll pick you up two and a half hours before your flight. And I thought, two and a half hours? We're 15 minutes from the airport, you know? And so they picked us up. We get to the airport. They are literally waiting outside the airport, ring, ringing around just to get into the airport. We finally get up to where you check in with your airline. They take all your information. You go into the next area, and there's the same line waiting for you to get through your baggage check as you're about to leave. And I'm thinking, oh, this is unbelievable. And then we're standing there after two hours, and I see that sign again, and I thought $400 would have been well worth every single penny. Uh, you know, we could have, like, gotten a, a smaller room or something like that, another resort, but it would have been well worth it. I just do not like waiting in lines 
Well, that same feeling is what some people had as we look into our scripture passage over into 2 Peter chapter 3. They didn't like waiting. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start verses 3 through 10. And the first thing we see is this. Jesus isn't late. He's patient. He's not late. He's patient. So let's see uh, uh, what's going on here. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, 20, Jesus says this. I am coming soon. That's how the Bible ends. Surely I'm coming soon. Well, what had happened in that day and age was that first generation of Christians were dying off. And a second generation of Christians were coming about, and they said, what's going on here? Everybody's dying off. He still hasn't come. What's he mean, I'm coming soon? And then we sit here 2,200 years later, you ever had somebody tell you I'd be right back and then just disappear for 2,200 years? You might think, okay, that's a little bit uh, uh, late. That's a long time to have to wait for something. So let's see what the people were saying in Peter's day in verses 3 and 4. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So there's this group of people who were saying, hey, look, he hasn't shown up. A whole nother generation's coming around. Where is he? He's not going to show up. And the reason they're saying this is really interesting in verse 3. They're saying it because they want to follow their own evil desires. So it comes down to this. We want to live the way we want. We want to do what we want to do. But this God stuff's kind of restraining us. But we can use the delay in the second coming of Jesus to say we can do anything we want. We can live any way we want. He's obviously not coming back. Why can't I do anything that I want? So that's the, the, the premise of what's being talked about here. This is actually one of the longest sections about the second coming that we find anywhere in the Bible. So that's the problem. Where's his delay in coming? It's giving me an excuse to live any way that I want. Then look down to verses 5 and 6. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, the earth was formed out of water and by water, and by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. That's a little bit complicated, but basically what he's saying this. Okay, they're willingly forgetting something. That in the beginning, God created the world and everything in it, and then people got really evil. People did really bad things, and then you had the flood with Noah. And the flood came and basically wiped out people because people had been so evil and it was God's judgment upon an evil world. And then verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So he says, okay, just like it was with Noah, uh, the people ignored God, lived any way they wanted, did evil things, and God's judgment came on the world. You need to understand that when Jesus comes again, there is going to be a judgment, that God will judge evil, that if we want all the wrongs made right, and if we want all of our hurts uh, to be healed, then there also has to be a reckoning with injustice, and there has to be a judgment. And so he says, these people who are thinking they can live any way they want and do anything they want, they need to understand that when Jesus comes again, for them it's going to be a judgment day. And so he's trying to wake them up here, uh, talking about uh, what is coming. And then look down to verse 8, because what does any of this have to do with the delay in the coming? 
Okay, you just need to know that one day you're going to be judged if you ignore God and live any way you want. What's it have to do with the delay in the coming? Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So Peter here lists two reasons for what we consider the delay in the second coming of Jesus. And the first reason is in verse 8. And the first reason is God doesn't keep time the way that we keep time. We're very linear in the way that we keep time. You know, we just, we, you know, uh, it's, it's 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.30. It's a very linear way of thinking. God isn't, isn't limited to linear way of thinking. As a matter of fact, it says with God, one day is like a thousand years. And what he means by that is God knows every single thing that's happening, every thought, every action. God knows it all. It's like a thousand years in one day. But not only that, a thousand years is like one day with God. It's just like a snap of the fingers to him. And so what we think of as time isn't the way that God views time. And so the first reason that we say, okay, where's the delay? What's this delay all about? Well, God just doesn't view time the way that we do. But then in verse 9, he goes on and says there's a second reason that God, there is a delay in that second coming. And that is that people might be saved. God is being patient so that people might be saved. So if you don't believe in God, the delay in the coming is an opportunity for you to get to know God and to come to God. And if you are a Christian, it's an opportunity for you to lead someone else to God and bring them into God's family. And so you have this two-part part of the delay. God doesn't keep time the way we do, and the delay is, is the patience of God wanting everyone to be saved. Now, when it comes to patience, as I said, we don't have to have that or not a lot. Uh, my son has a dog by the name of Sugar, and uh, he's taught Sugar he can take a dog treat, put it on Sugar's nose, wait for a second, and then snap his finger and Sugar will throw the, throw the dog treat and catch it. That's not Sugar. Sugar is much cuter than that, okay? <laughs> See, it's our grand dog. We, only, we have no grandchildren, two grand dogs. And, uh, but putting it on their nose, waiting, snapping the finger, and then they eat it. That's patience, knowing something good is coming and being willing to wait because you know that something good is coming. That's what we're told the second coming is like. God is delaying it so that we can do good and bring others into his kingdom. And then finally, in verse 10 here, he says, No one knows when that day is going to come. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And so we don't know when the day's coming. God keeps time different than we do. There is going to be a judgment. And so we need to be telling people about God and leading people to him. So that's the first thing we see. Now, if all that's true, then what kind of people ought we to be? That's the next thing that we see. That's the question that's asked. Okay, if Jesus really is coming, if there is a judgment day, then what kind of people do we need to be? Look at verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, God's judgment is coming for those who have not repented. What kind of people ought you to be? So if I'm a believer in God and I believe Jesus is coming, and for some people it's going to be a judgment day, what kind of person should I be? And Paul basically, or Peter basically tells us three different things we need to do, what kind of people we need to be. So what kind of people do we need to be? Three things that we're going to look like. First of all is this. We should be people who live holy and godly lives. People who live holy and godly lives. Look at verse 11, uh, the middle of the verse there. You ought to live holy and godly lives. 
Again, that's why I'm such a theological genius uh, when, I, when I come up with this stuff. And uh, so what's it mean to live a holy, godly life? Well, the word holy means different, set apart, above. Uh, you know, items in the temple were set apart for God's use. Therefore, they were made holy. So it says your life should be something different than the way the rest of the world lives it. Your life should be a godly life, a life based on God's laws and principles. So when people see you, they see something different about the way you're living. And look at verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Holy, godly, spotless, blameless. Now, how many people think, okay, I'll go out and do that today? You know, it seems a little bit intimidating. But what if I said the gist of it is you're just supposed to live a life that's different than other people. You're supposed to be forgiving when other people are judgmental. You're supposed to be loving when other people are hating. You're supposed to be caring for somebody when other people only care about themselves. It's not that you're perfect in everything that you do, but you're, you're becoming an attractional person because of the way you're living and what you're doing. That's the godly life that you're living. When people see your life, they just see something different you're a person uh, that at the end of verse 14 you're living at peace with God at peace with other people and people just see that in you and the way that you're living you're attracting people to God and that's the first thing that we see we're supposed to live a different life because we believe Jesus is coming again Read an interesting story this week in the paper. Uh, there was a Wisconsin police officer uh, who uh, pulled a guy over and arrested him for an outstanding warrant that he had. And uh, so another car came. They were taking the guy away. And the officer that arrested him noticed the guy was on an Uber Eats run. And he was delivering ice cream uh, to somebody. And he thought, somebody's not going to get their ice cream and it's going to melt uh, because I've arrested this guy and he's going off. Here's a picture of the officer right there. So he takes the Uber Eats and he delivers all the drivers uh, Uber Eats. And then he gets to the house with the ice cream and they can't believe that the police officer actually delivered their ice cream. So they invite him in and serve him some ice cream. Why would they do that? Because it's something odd, something different. The average person would have not have done that and delivered the Uber Eats for someone that had been arrested. And because it was different, it stood out. That's the kind of life you need to live, a life that stands out. It's different, it's holy, and it's godly. So that's the first thing we do. Our, our life, the way that we live it, needs to be attractional to others if we really believe there's a second coming. A second thing Peter tells us uh, that we ought to be is we ought to be people who look forward to and anticipate Jesus' return. People who look forward to and anticipate Jesus' return. Look down uh, to uh, verse 12 and 13. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring by the destruction of heaven by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so he says, look, we need to look forward to the coming of Jesus. Because for those of us who are Christians, it's going to be a day of rejoicing. It's going to be a great day when Jesus comes and all of your hurts and all of your pains and all of the things that have held you down and all of your illnesses and problems and the things that have kept you up at night, all of those things are going to be wiped away. Revelation 21 verses 4 and 5 puts it this way. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for all of these things will pass away. 
He who sat on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write these words down. They're trustworthy and they're true. So we look forward and anticipate Jesus' return. And so we're living a life, we're getting ready, we're trying to get others ready, and we're looking forward, anticipating that day when all of our hurts and all of our problems and all of our toils and all the injustices of this world and all the evils of this world are gone and the love of God reigns supreme. And then the last thing he says that we ought to be is that we ought to be people who lead others to Jesus. We ought to be people who lead others to Jesus. If you really believe Jesus is coming again, and part of the, of, the, of the delay in Jesus coming is giving us an opportunity to bring others to him, then we need to be people who and bring others to Jesus. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Our Lord's patience means salvation. So it is an opportunity for us to lead other people to Jesus. Every day that you get up is another opportunity that God is giving you before his return to bring another person to Jesus Christ. Have you ever been watching a ball game and your team was down and they're making a great comeback and you're thinking with the last minute or two, they're going to come back, they're really going to win this game. And you get right down to the last second and, and, and you lose. And you think this. If we just had one more minute, one more minute, we would have won that game. Anybody ever thought that in a ball game before? Yeah, yeah, we all have. Well, every day you get up, God is saying to you, guess what? I'm adding one more minute to the clock. One more opportunity for you to lead someone to me and for them to know me as Lord and Savior. So what an opportunity that is. So we see the three things that we're told here is that we need to live a life that's attractional. We need to look forward and anticipate his return. And we need to be using this time to lead other people to Jesus. Now, Peter ends in verses 17 and 18 with a warning. And the warning is you need to pay attention to this because it's really important what I'm going to say. And I don't want you to miss what's going on here. So what do we need to do? What's the warning in verses 17 and 18? The first warning in verse 17 is this. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Look at verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. So he says, okay, the reason I'm writing this is to warn you to be ready. The interesting thing is almost every scripture that has to do with the second coming in the Bible is written for the same reason. It's not to tell us all the things so that we can make our charts and graphs and figure out everything we want to know about the end times. That's fine and all that. But the main point is always this. It's coming. You better be warned and you better be ready. That's the point of every, of every return scripture. So we can make it into a lot of things, but that's the point. And so what he's saying here is, okay, you've been warned. This is coming. This is going to happen. So be on your guard that you not get carried away. That you not get carried away with what? That you not get carried away, first of all, with thinking, well, it's delayed. It's not going to come today. I can live any way I want. I can do anything I want. Uh, the delay of Jesus coming is far off. I don't have to worry about that. And so we fall into this pattern of living any way we want. Believe me, Satan would like nothing better than for us to live like the second coming wasn't, wasn't coming soon. 
He'd like for us to live like we don't have to worry about it and we don't have to care and we can just do anything we want and live any way I want. That would be a great win for him. And if you think that the delay of Jesus is coming, I've got, I got a, a, an update for you like this. On the day you die, Jesus is coming in for you. That's just the way it is. And so we need to be ready and we need to be prepared and we need to be on our guard that we not be led astray because we think there's a delay when there's really just the patience of God. And so that's the first warning. And then there's the second warning in verse 18. And the second warning is this. Okay, use your time to get closer to God and develop your relationship with him. Don't get led away, be on your guard, and use the time to form your relationship with God because nothing is going to make you more secure than being closer to God. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to do everything else we said. Look at verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so he ends this section with, be on your guard and grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in your relationship with God. Grow in the way that, 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 that you accept God's blessings and live those blessings out. Grow in your knowledge of God and what God wants for you and how you should be living. Because the more you grow and the closer you get to God, the more your life is going to yield results because of it. Be on your guard and grow closer to Jesus. I saw a story this week uh, on the internet. Uh, in Bolivia, the president was recently removed. A new president was put into office. It caused uh, quite an uproar in the country. Uh, there were riots outside of the presidential palace, and the army was called in. And uh, one of the soldiers who's from a, a rural area of the country had come in. He said he'd really never even been in the capital city. He was standing out front of the presidential palace keeping guard. When one of the protesters walked up, he said, sir, you need to get back. The guy takes out a gun, sticks it in his chest, and shoots him. The officer was not harmed at all. And here's the reason why. He had a New Testament in his pocket, and the bullet lodged in the Bible that was there. Now, that's an interesting story and all that, but what's more interesting is what he said afterwards. God saved me. It was a miracle. The Bible saved me, and all I know is this. Every day that I've been given is now an opportunity for me to do something good for God. Every new day is now an opportunity for me to do something good for God. You may think Jesus is delayed in coming, but he's not delayed, he's just patient. And every day that you wake up, God has added a little more time to the clock so that you can help win the game for his kingdom. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to see the truths that are there, dear Father. Help us to know that, that you have a purpose in our lives and in our, the way that we live them and help us to live that out. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come and the, the first thing I would say as a part of this invitation is for you to look at your life and to just say, where am I right now? A am I really living a life that is attracting other people? Am I living a life of love and care? Am I helping other people? Is my life an attractional life? And if it's not, just right where you are right now, you can just say to God, you know, Lord, Help me to be the kind of person I was supposed to be in the way I love and care and look out for other people. You may be here today and you've been in church a long time and God has called you to this church where you never actually joined. 
Uh, in the first service, we had two ladies joined. If you see them, say hi to them. They're both named Nancy, so that'll be easy to, to remember, you know. If somebody's named Nancy, just figure they joined the church. I right? can go, go say something to them. But just come down and say, hey, I believe God's leading me in this church, and I want to be a part of what this church is doing. But maybe you're here today, and you fall in that group that Peter's been talking about. The group that says the delay in the coming is God's patience for your salvation. And you showed up today, and what God is saying to you is, I'm talking to you. This was, this was about you coming and me saying to you, I want you saved. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to give you heaven and a righting of all the wrongs. And you can find that. Come down this aisle. Talk to me, another minister, and we'll, we'll talk to you about really what it means uh, to have Jesus Christ in your life. This is your opportunity as we stand together and we sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.